The homeless man rouses himself from his cardboard box on Manhattan's Lower East Side to the sounds of dock workers slinging fish off the early morning catch. Early rising ensures good eating. He rummages through the dumpsters behind the tourist restaurants, leftover garlic bread, some pasta, even cheesecake. The bottles and cans he stuffs into his shopping cart for some cash later. The sun is just breaking through the fog, and he sees a lottery ticket flash in the sun. He picks it up, stuffs it into his pocket. It's past noon when he remembers the lottery ticket and holds it up to the lotto numbers in the paper that he found. The first number matches, then the second, the third. Can this be happening? The fourth. And could it be the fifth? All match. His eyesight isn't so good, and he wants to be sure. Things like this don't happen to him. But it is a winner. $20, $50, who knows? He finds a store to cash it. Later that day, he is squinting into the bright lights of the New York stations, the newest of media darlings, will now receive $243,000 a year for the next 20 years. A chic-looking woman in a leather miniskirt shoves a microphone in his face. How do you feel, she asks. He stares back, dazed. She smells nice. It had been a long time since anyone had asked him that question. A very long time indeed. It was adapted from, uh, John adapted that from What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey, 1996 book. When I first heard this, John goes on, when I first heard this story, I recalled smirking a bit. How nice, how Hollywood, how wonderful for this guy. He certainly deserved it. But the poignancy of this story hit home a little deeper when I found out that this man, suffering from paranoid schizophrenia and the aftermath of the Vietnam War, actually used most of his money to help fund the Coalition for the Homeless in New York. Finding the ticket was grace. Using the money to save the world was amazing. It is known by some of you that Amazing Grace is my favorite hymn. I really can't tell you why. It was my mother's favorite as well. The tune, the words have such a stark truth that they haunt me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Although we, of course, give you a theological choice to change the word to soul. But that's another sermon for another day. John Newton, the son of a Methodist ship captain who had squandered his fortune as a young man, found himself conscripted aboard a slave ship. Through hard work, and because he was white, he won his freedom and made captain, now himself plying the evil trade for many years. On a return trip to Africa, facing a tremendous storm, he prayed for deliverance, with the promise that he would give up the trade if saved. The storm abated, and Newton kept his word for the, for the first time in his life. He married his long-lost love and became one of England's most ardent anti-slavery proponents of his age. It would take such later activists as William Wilberforce in Parliament to eventually undo the slave trade in England, and it took a civil war for it to end here. 
The words we sing are altered for UU sensibilities and are frankly somewhat tame. Grace will lead us home, sure enough, but the fourth stanza of the original is much stronger. The Lord promised good to me, his words my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. That line gets to the heart of what makes grace so powerful for Christians. God has promised us a gift no matter what we, we are or have done. We Unitarian Universalists assume that we are not the wretch the song proclaims, nor do we need to be saved. We even have our doubts about God. But despite this, I still believe grace is a powerful idea, especially now. The real power of the song and the idea is that we are always given another chance. And sometimes when we least expect it or even earn it, we are given some gift. If only the breaking of hope when days are dark. The point is that you surrender to the universe as it is, and when an opportunity to change presents itself, you take it. As Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. We belittle grace by assuming that only we have control over events. After all, we are a religion of deeds, not creeds. We end our service with the words, now the service truly begins. But doing good in the world does not negate grace. Grace happens. You need a solution, the phone rings and someone has an idea. You don't know how you are going to pay the bills and you receive a bonus. Or even a job offer. You have learned that you are dying of cancer but your family heals and comes together because of it. Grace happens all the time. Some will call it chance or serendipity, but I like grace better. Grace happens all the time for me. A near miss on the freeway, a, a difficult decision I seem stuck in until the light bursts forth. Sometimes grace even comes through suffering. Many years ago, I was invited to lead a service for families of murdered children. The service was outdoors in a park. During the service, we would plant a tree. And, and as it was going on, I noticed a lone man <clears throat> standing at the edge of the park. The service, very moving, ended and everyone left except for this young family. I knew their story. They had lost their three-year-old son to a drunk driver. This was their first service of this kind, and it was very hard for them. As they stood and turned, the mother gasped, staring at the man across the park. Her husband's fists clenched. This was the man who had killed their son. Slowly, the lone man walked towards them. I was trying to play through what I would do if this turned violent. He stopped about 10 feet away. Tears were streaming <clears throat> down his face. He whispered with as much voice as he could manage, I'm sorry. The silence that followed could have birthed triplets. The husband put his arm around his wife and nodded. And the man turned and left. 
The mother broke down. The whole exchange lasted less than two minutes, but changed me forever. Here I understood what Newton meant when he said, I once was lost, but now am found. Not that the killer or the family or anyone was saved, just found. Found their humanity again. Found life. Grace given and received just like that. Amazing. I have come to believe in grace even for religious sojourners and skeptics like ourselves. I have come to believe in grace when we learn to open ourselves up to what the universe is offering and then go with it, not with rage, but forgiveness. In the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus tells us that his father, the father, welcomed the wayward son home even though he had squandered the family's fortune. As an eldest son, I certainly could understand his older brother's fury for seeing his younger brother rewarded while he, who had stayed by his father's side, got nothing. But I've come to learn that welcoming the lost home is an expression of grace in our lives. Whether it is someone or some feeling we had so long repressed. As the Dutch theologian Henry Nouwen observed, who amongst us doesn't want to come home? Who amongst us doesn't want to be forgiven? Forgiveness is what helps grace along most of all. John Newton's father never forgave his son for squandering his future. God and perhaps even Newton forgave himself for the evil he had done. More importantly, grace was made real as Newton worked to undo what he had done. The homeless man man made real his grace by helping those fallen beside him. Sometimes grace lies just inside a new day. One of my favorite poets, W.H. Auden, wrote of grace, In the deserts of the heart, let the healing fountain start. In the prison of his day, teach each free man how to praise. Amazing and mysterious and as old as time, Grace comes unbidden to each of us, each and every one of us. When we have been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun.